I'm glad uh, that not only uh, is there a heaven to gain, but I am glad that this Lord is coming back and he will establish his throne and there will be victory and there will be praise. We will be worshiping him and I'm thankful for that. But uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 14. Uh, Luke chapter 14. uh, And we're going to be starting down in verse 15. uh, And uh, uh, I'm glad that we've got his word this morning. So that's what we're going to dig into. But Luke 14 uh, verse 15 says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him, with Jesus, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said unto him, A certain man had a, or a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servant, Go out quickly and into the streets and lanes of the city and bring him hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Let's go yeah. to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word uh, this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, help me to be able to preach, but Lord, help us to understand your word. Lord, we know that the Spirit is a teacher, and Lord, we ask that you would not only teach, but convict, and Lord, that you touch hearts. Lord, my my goal is for everyone to, that doesn't know Jesus Christ to come to you today, and Lord, I pray uh, that it would be plain, and Lord, that you would take away the excuses, open up the altars today, and Lord, we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. So at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus had been invited to eat bread on the Sabbath day uh, to the home of one of the chief Pharisees. Uh, and you think about that, even though Jesus had some of his biggest disputes, some of his biggest arguments uh, was with the Pharisees. Remember, he called them vipers and whitewashed uh, uh, tombs and everything else, uh, but he still associated with them. Even though they were trying to trap him and kill him and everything else, they didn't like him. He still loved them, right? But, uh, but in his love, he wanted them to repent. He didn't walk in there and say, when he was in the home, he didn't say, yep, everything you believe is correct. No, he challenged them even inside of their home, but he did it in love. And at the end of verse one, it says they watched him. Right. That invitation wasn't uh, is uh, so even though Jesus was there in love, uh, the invitation wasn't probably really in love. They were trying to trap him. And really, Jesus was always under the microscope. Right. Uh, They were always trying to trap him and different things. And in this time, it was the Sabbath day. And there's a man with dropsy. He was sick. Uh, He had fluid uh, collection and everything else. You'd have been able to see him bloated, uh, whatever the problem with his kidneys or whatever else would have caused him. And they invited Jesus to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. They were trying to trap him and watch him. And you realize Jesus's ministry was out in public. It was out in the open. He healed. He taught uh, so that the public could see. And really, if he had committed sins, they would have said that, right? They would have told 
And they would have uh, pointed that out. And see, while they're trying to trap him, he asks them a question and he, he says, hey, if your ox fell in a pit on the Sabbath day, would you lift it out? Right. He asked them that question. See, because they're looking back to Exodus and they were saying, hey, you're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath day. And they took that and they made all sorts of crazy rules. The Jews did. In fact, I, I tried to find the most ridiculous, but there's a lot of them. You can't even pick up a pencil on the Sabbath day. They call that work. And he's asking this. Okay, you believe that work is picking up a pencil, even if you're just moving it to get it out of the way and not doing anything with it, no writing. If you believe that, then tell me how you're okay with lifting your ox out of the pit, much heavier than the pencil. It is work. You're going to strain doing that, right? And they would have said, well, they didn't answer him, but you can think of why they're justifying it in their mind. Well, we're helping the ox. We don't want it to die in the pit. And he's saying, hey, the man with dropsy, I can't heal him on the Sabbath day. You're inhumane is what you are, right? You don't care about people. Your rules have caused you not to love anybody and you don't even realize it, right? That's what he was. He was starting to show him that. Uh, and then down, you get down to verses 12 through 14 and Jesus is teaching them more. After teaching them a little bit about pride, he gives them that little lesson. Uh, then in 12 through 14, he's saying, hey, why don't you invite and bless people that can't repay you? Right? You're inviting people to your house today uh, that, that are also rich, that are also powerful. Maybe you can get some kind of deal going. You know, Maybe something that will bless you. Why don't you invite people that can't repay you? Why don't you give blessings to them? Because while they can't repay you in this life, in the resurrection, you will get repaid. That's what he's calling recompense. That's what he's saying in there. And so right after that, Here's where someone at the party in verse 15 pipes up and says, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. See, I, I think this person was trying to kind of defend the host and saying, hey, uh, you know, Jesus just said that the Lord will repay you in the resurrection. Uh, and now he's saying, hey, we're blessed to be here today. That's what he's saying, right? Uh, this chief Pharisee, he's a blessing to us. He was a ruler. He was powerful and everything. It would have been a great honor to be there that day. And then Jesus teaches from 16 to 24. So this is in response to what he's having. He's saying, hey, uh, uh, because here's the thing. Everyone there that day thought they were worthy of heaven. Everyone there thought, hey, when the kingdom of God comes, we're going to be sitting there eating bread. That's what he's saying. Oh, it's a blessing, but not as a uh, not as a blessing of where, hey, uh, we're humble or no, we deserve it. That's what they're saying. Even after Jesus taught about pride and either after Jesus taught about these things, they're still thinking that they're worthy to go to heaven. And now it says, uh, now he starts, verse 16. He says, a certain man uh, made a great supper and bade many. Uh, he, so he invited, he called many people to it. It was a great supper. And, and remember, there, he's at the house of the Pharisees. There's honorable guests around. It would have been a large feast. And believe me, they would have loved to do this. They would have loved to come to something like this. But then all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, here's what he does. He sends out and he says, uh, hey, I'm getting ready to, to do this supper. Uh, it's going to be on a certain day. And then later on, they would say, hey, it's time. Uh, the supper is ready. So there he kind of sends out a save the date at first. 
And then all of a sudden, when the food's ready, then the servant goes out to get them. Because, hey, they didn't have the clocks and watches and everything that we do today. So you couldn't have said, hey, come uh, on September the 4th at 11 o'clock. They had to go say, hey, it's going to be on this day, but we'll let you know when everything is ready. So now now the, the servant has gone out and he's saying, okay, the time has come. The supper's ready. All right, so let's go with me. But look at verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. Do you see that? One consent, one accord. They were all making excuses that day when the time came to actually come. See, they all had gotten the invitation, right? They all had been invited to the great feast. They all, uh, it was an honor to attend and everything else. But now when the time was come, they start to give excuses. Now they're all, their excuses are all different, but their minds were the same. I'm not going, right? That's what he's saying. I'm not going. Uh, I'm not interested. I have better things to do. And we see the first excuse is I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. The second one is I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. So really, these two excuses are pretty similar, right? They're, and, and at first, if you read it and think about it too quick, read it too fast, you may think, well, these are probably good excuses. But now wait a second. You're telling me the guy went out to buy a piece of land and never looked at it. And another guy went out and bought 10 oxen, 10, five yoke, five pairs of them. He went out there and he never proved them. He just bought the, they just bought this stuff sight unseen, right? And now they're telling, hey, I can't go to the, to the feast because I got to go look at the land and I got to go prove the 10 oxen. And you're thinking, well, that's ridiculous. You were dumb enough to buy the land without looking. The land ain't going anywhere, right? Same with the oxen. They'll be there when you're done. These excuses were not good. They're not valid, right? That's the problem. That's what we're getting at, right? He's saying, now the excuses are all different, but their minds are the same. Hey, I'm not going. Uh, I've got to do these things. And they're both saying, I pray thee have me excused. And you can almost get it. Maybe next time, right? That's what they're saying. Next, I'll make it next time. And in all reality, next time, if it comes, they'll have another excuse. Yeah. That's just as ridiculous. That's just as, uh, uh, just as silly as these ones right here. But really what they're saying is, hey, these material things have caused me to be too busy. Right? These material blessings, these things, I can't come to the banquet. If you'll just excuse me, uh, you know, I'll come another time. The verse 20, the third excuse. And another says, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And again, you could read this too quick and say, well, that's valid. And here's one of the problems of reading the Bible is sometimes we put our current culture in as we think about these things. We're like, oh, I understand what he's saying right here. Someone's getting married. You know, they've got their honeymoon booked. They're going to be leaving out on a plane. They've got to pack. They've got to do all this stuff and they're going to be gone and they can't go. They didn't do that in that day, right? They didn't go on honeymoons like we do and all of that stuff. They didn't go to faraway land or anything else. And in fact, if you look at his response really close, he says, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. We don't know how long ago he married. He got married either. He didn't say I just got married. He said, I'm married. I can't come. You know what he's doing? He's putting family, right? The first two put material things ahead of the banquet. This one's putting family ahead of the banquet. Hey, I'm married. Not just excuse me. I'm never coming. 
I cannot come. That's what he says. He doesn't say pray the, uh, I'd be excused like the other ones did. He said, I cannot come. It's settled. Family is more important than your feast. See you later. 21. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. He came back. He brought all the excuses. See, we got three examples right here. But all that were bade made excuses in one accord that day. Uh, they all uh, got brought to the master of the house. And it says he was angry. Right? And that what he says? He was angry about it. He went through all of these preparations. He's angry. He says, uh, if they don't want to come, get out quick, go out quickly into the streets and in the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. He said, listen, preparations have been made. The food is ready. You go quickly and invite all of these out. And you know who those people are? That represents the downtrodden. That represents the one that are uh, seen as unworthy, right? When they're in the house of the Pharisees, they would have said those people are unclean, right? There's something, the reason they have this disease is they're unclean, you know, something they've done as a sin or something like that. It was a bad belief, but they would have seen all these people as unworthy, especially to come to a great supper. But that master says, no, you go get them. So he quickly does that. He brings in the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the master, uh, he returns to the master and he says, all those things are done. And I love verse 22. Uh, it says this, and yet there is more room. I thought about, I've underlined that in my Bible. Isn't that a wonderful thing? After the invite went out, after they brought more in, he says, hey, there is still room. Praise God. That's why we're still preaching the gospel. There's still more room. And look at verse 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highway and hedges and compel them to come in. What? That my house may be filled. He says, you go compel them. You know what that means? You strongly urge them. You don't just casually invite them. You strongly urge them to come to this. That's what he's saying. You compel them to come in. You tell them, how do you do that? Maybe you tell them how great the feast is, but why don't you tell them how great the master of the house is, right? That's what he's saying. You tell them uh, that he greatly desires your presence. You may not think like, you may not believe that you're worthy, but he wants you here. That's what he's saying. That's what you go tell them. You compel them because there's still room in the house. And he says, I want my house filled. I want it filled all the way. That's what he wants. And you stop and think about this parable. And all the parables had meanings to them. That's why he was teaching them. That's why he was giving them. Uh, and uh, so here, remember, he's in the house of a chief Pharisee. They're filled with Jews in there that are in attendance. They're eating bread on the Sabbath. And remember, uh, verse, uh, what was it? Verse 15, one of the guests said what they were mostly all thinking, that I'm worthy uh, to be at that great supper there at the resurrection. I, I'm worthy to eat bread uh, at God's table uh, because of how I am and my religion and my good deeds and everything else even after Jesus was trying to show them the religious rules and traditions were preventing them uh, from doing what he wanted them to do even though he said pride's going to bring destruction right and I will uh, I, I and I will push down the prideful and then here he comes with this parable and did you see the invitation do you see what he's saying right there in verse 17 when the supper was ready, verse 17, uh, he says, go say to them that were bidden. What's that word? He says, you tell them, come. Do you see that? Come. 
I don't think it's an accident. Jesus used that word in the parable, right? And he was trying to show them something. Why? Jesus's invitation has always been that. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, come after me and I will make you fishers of men, right? He's always saying this, come. Uh, that's what he used to Peter. Remember Peter, we just preached on it, talking about coming out of the ship in the storm. What did he say? If you be, if you're really Jesus, right? I'm paraphrasing. Uh, you bid me to come out of the ship and walk to you. What did Jesus say? Come, yeah. right? Then all the way at the end of the Bible, just a few verses from the end, Revelation 22, 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. That's what he's saying. Come, everything's ready, right? Yeah. You know why we're here today? We're saying the same thing, right? Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took our, our sins, your sins, my sin, the sin of the world. And he who was without sin, that knew no sin, he, all that sin, uh, it didn't cause him to be a sinner. He took it on his own body and he died on the cross for our sins. But he didn't just die. He was buried. And that's important because they saw where he was buried. They didn't hide his body. They buried him in public. Everyone knew where the tomb was. They set a guard on there, on that tomb, and they thought uh, that it was over. But then on the third day, the stone was rolled away. Jesus raised from the dead, and that sacrifice was accepted on the cross. Right? So uh, what are we talking about? When he says, hey, everything is ready, we can point to the cross, to the empty tomb, and we can say everything is ready for you to get saved today. Everything's ready. Every preparation has been made. It's just time for you to come. And I believe that's what he's saying right there. But the problem is all those Pharisees in the home that day thought they were worthy. They didn't need to come to Jesus so he's giving them this parable. And one of the, uh, uh, when you talk about all the guests that were invited at the very beginning, I believe that represents the, the Jewish nation, right? He is inviting all of them, right? The kingdom of God was prepared for the Jews and they were the ones that first got Jesus Christ. They first heard his teaching, but they rejected him. John 1 11 says he came into his own and his own received him not. Yes. And what happened to the parable when it was time to come? They all gave excuses, right? What excuses did the Jews give? I'd rather have my riches than to be with the Lord, right? Than to take his side. I'd rather have my traditions, my power, uh, everything else than have the true religion in Jesus Christ. Or I would rather wait for a made up Messiah that'll overthrow Rome and let us build our kingdom right here right now than the true Messiah that's going to die on the cross. Yeah. All these excuses, none of them are valid, right? None of them are valid. I'd rather have all these things. So what happened? The master of the house, when the Jews said no, what did he say? You go back out, right? You go back out. You invite all those that the Jews thought was unworthy, yeah, the, the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind, and the Gentiles, it's not in there, but they're in there too. Uh, we're in there. And you go out there and you invite them to come in, right? You invite them to come. Why? Because I, uh, I don't want my house to be empty, right? That's what he's saying. I want it to be full. And then he sends them out one more time. And he doesn't even name the groups, right? He says, you just go out to the highways and the hedges, 
right? You go out everywhere and you bring everything, everyone you can in. You compel them to come so that way my house is full. Do we see this? You know, when we t- there are some people that think that God only wants a chosen few. That's not true. Lord, uh, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that yeah. all should come to repentance. Yeah. He's saying, you go back out there. You invite more to come. You, you tell them more about me. Why? Because time is drawing short. There's still room in the banquet. Uh, you strongly urge them. The meal's about ready to be served and they need to get here now. And see, they may give you an excuse at first, but you tell them about the master, right? You tell them what he's done for you. Isn't that true? We go tell people about Jesus. What happens? They give an excuse. They try to redirect. I don't have enough time. I'm not good enough. I was baptized. They give all these different excuses. You compel them. You urge them. You say, hey, you need to drop that stuff. You need to drop the the false piety. You need to drop the fact you think your uh, good works can outweigh your bad, which the Bible says won't get you to heaven. You, You need to come to Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. Compel them to come. Because one day it'll be too late to respond. That's the problem, isn't it? The invitation of the master. One day uh, it will be too late. Uh, All the invitations will be done. Look at verse 24, the final verse of the parable. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. There is a group that refused to come. Excuse after excuse, refuse to come. They refuse Jesus Christ. And one day it will keep them from the supper. One day it'll be too late. See, they, you're, we're thinking about there's invitation after invitation, but at one point it'll be the last one. Because when you die, if you die in your sins, that's it. There's no other chances after that. You know, that's why we come in here, isn't it? That's why I preach week week after week about Jesus Christ. That's why we witness over and over again about Jesus Christ. We don't do it because it's popular. Because guess what? Preaching the true Jesus isn't popular. If you haven't noticed that, right? We're not, we're not uh, building on every single direction and having to buy this land and that land like some places are that call themselves churches. Why? Because we're preaching the truth is one of the reasons. And we don't do this. We don't, we don't come in here and tell you about Jesus and sin and hell and everything else because people want to hear it. It's offensive, right? We don't do it because it'll make us rich. Because <laughs> it won't. Now a false Jesus might, right? You see that? You know why we do it? Because God has commanded us, right? God has said you go out there and compel them to come. You give them the gospel. You know who we are in this parable? We're not only the guests that came later, right? The ones that were unworthy, praise God. Aren't you glad that when the Jews rejected, he turned to the Gentiles? I'm glad about that because now we were able to come in. But also in this parable, we are two different people. We're, we're the second set of guests, but we're also the servant, right? What did the master say to the servant? You go get more. You go to the highways, you go to the hedges, you compel them, you bring them in. We're both. Because if you die without Jesus Christ, a couple chapters over in Luke 16, Jesus tells of a man, a rich man that rejected and well, he opened his eyes in hell. 
He was tormented by the flames and he said, uh, show mercy on me that uh, Abraham could just dip the tip of his finger in water and that just one drop of water, if it would just touch my tongue, it would be mercy from the torment of the flames. It would help me. And you're thinking that's how bad it is. He remembered his former life and how he rejected the invitation. And guess what? Even if you die like him uh, and you are lost, you die lost, you'll go to hell. And then one day you will stand before Jesus Christ. And Jesus said some will bring excuses to him and say, hey, didn't we do this or that in your name? Uh, But he will look at them, Matthew 7, 23, and Jesus will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Then Revelation 20 says you'll be cast in the lake of fire and that'll be it. You thought you were okay with your tradition. You thought you were okay with your religion, your pride, but in all reality, you were rejecting Jesus Christ, right? And one day the invitation will expire. Your choice will be permanent. None of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. But here's the thing. You know what our job is? To make it as hard as we can for this lost world to reject Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You tell people how good he is. You tell them how he changed you. You tell them how we've got real peace and real hope and a real word. How we've got all of these things. And you're thinking, Mike, well, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not good enough speaking. I, what if I don't have the right answers to their questions? No, let the Lord help you. He will help you in those areas. Let his word guide you. Give them the truth from God's word, not opinion. Don't argue. Uh, don't try to logic your way uh, to, to, to be, uh, you know, kind of win an argument. But you show them. You tell them about Jesus Christ. You and I know what he's done in our hearts you know how he's changed us that's what the world needs to know and i don't know about you right the 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 supper was ready right and that's why he's going to tell them to come right you bring them in and uh the food's ready we just need the people and i don't know about you i can almost smell the food on the other side can't you almost smell can't you almost uh, as they're getting ready for the marriage supper of the lamb those that are saved by jesus christ we will sit and we will dine and we will be there with jesus Jesus Christ, and I'll tell you what, the man, I I think in 15, I I think he had wrong intentions, but it will be a blessing to sit there at the table of Jesus Christ one day, but that will only be for those that are saved. That's it. We, We don't witness to people and tell people that they're sinners and different things because we hate them. We do it because we love them. The easy thing would be to say you're all right and lie to somebody, but that wouldn't be love. That would be a lie. And I don't want anyone to miss out on the greatest gift this world has ever received, and that's Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Come to him. Trust in him. Take advantage of the invitation. Leave the old life behind and get a new start. Right? Get a new life, a fresh start. Be born again. Get your sins forgiven. Come to Jesus Christ. You know what? For the Jews, he hasn't abandoned them. That's a false belief. The church hasn't replaced the Jews. That's another false belief. No, after the church is gone, he'll turn back to the Jews and will fulfill every promise he's made to them. He even said he'll save them. I don't know how. I don't know the details, but he said he will. Here's the thing. Where are we at? We're right here in the middle. We're right in the middle. Supper's almost ready. Right? It's almost time. And that servant's to go out one more time. 
to compel them to come in. That's where we're at. But if you're lost today, this could be the last invitation. I don't know. You may, you're thinking, well, Mike, I'm young. Well, you go walk through any of these cemeteries and you do the math. People die young and they die old. You're not, you're not guaranteed. The Bible says about three score and ten, about 70 years old, but not everybody makes it to them. Some live longer, some don't. You've got to be ready now. And guess what? You get ready now and you can enjoy however much time you have left in this life and know that you have eternity with Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And guess what he does? What happens after verse 24? Jesus drops the mic. He walks out of there. That's it. He makes him think about it. Doesn't he? He makes him think about it. He says, hey, you've got time right now, but your time's running out. You're rejecting me. You're rejecting me. And one time I'm going to walk away. And that's it. And you, your decision will be permanent. But if God's talking to you right now, you're getting another chance right now. Again, you're not promised tomorrow. He says, come. You know when the time, the Bible says the time of salvation is? It's not tomorrow. It's not this evening. It's right now. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.